Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. On Good Authority has had over a million downloads, regularly appears on the top 100 career podcast list, and has been named one of the best publishing podcasts by LA Weekly and Kindlepreneur. Please welcome OG Authority host, New York Times bestselling author, Anna David. There are people who launch books, end up just having a nice thing to put on their shelves. Then there are people who launch books that transform their careers and their lives. As a former member of the first group, I strongly urge you to be part of the second. In this show, I talk to entrepreneurs and authors about how to intentionally launch the book that will serve as the best business card and marketing tool you've ever had. Get ready for takeoff. Hello, and welcome to the podcast that doesn't think you need to be broke just because you're a writer. It believes you can actually be a writer and and still have nice things. And it also believes in so many double negatives that you don't even know what you're saying anymore. I'm Anna David. If you like this podcast, I bet you'd like my book. It's got the same name, so that's easy. It's also called On Good Authority. You can find out more about it by going to ongoodauthoritybook.com. Or you can just go straight to Amazon, go to ongoodamazon.com. It's full of, it's made up of podcast interviews that I've done with like the greats and it's, I'm very proud of it. So if you like it, um, today I'm giving you an episode that's an oldie but goodie. It was recorded over three years ago with the great Nicholas Cole. He's, uh, he was the number one personal development writer on the internet. His work has attracted either 75 billion views or 75 million views. I'm looking at it. There's a lot of zeros, not a number person, a whole lot of views, probably 75 million more since I've been struggling to say the number. Um, He's written, he writes books as quickly as most of us drink coffee. And he, since we recorded this, he and Dickie Bush have launched Ship 30 for 30, which is uh, the fastest growing uh, writing cohort um, group in the world, something like that. Anyway, if you want the show notes, I know I've given you a lot of URLs. I'm going to give you one more. Go to LegacyLaunchPadPub.com slash blog slash Cole. And now I give you Nicholas Cole. Just sort of casually start chatting. Okay, so how are the, your levels? This is, um, this is we just uh, assume the best. We just assume the best. It's all changing. Okay, I'm game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Don't nerd out on the sound. Okay, it's fine. You're not allowed. You're nerding I'm, out on I'm the a sound. sound. I'm, I like, I I'm a sound engineer. Okay, okay. So, I'm not so, a sound engineer. <laughs> I'm a self-taught sound engineer. I wouldn't engineer. be surprised, though. <laughs> um, so what's very cool about this is not only that you're the very first person that is sitting in this booth with me, but also that as we were just talking about, you have completely changed the trajectory of my career. Um, but really, we're not talking about that either because we're talking about 
book launches. That's not what this is really about, but yeah. <laughs> we'll get into what it's not really about, but let's at least try talking about what it's about. Okay, book launches. <laughs> okay, but let's talk about first how you started uh, your career. Highly unusual way to start. You, Very unconventional. You uh, went to journalism school. For a year. For a year. And what did your professor say to you? Class of 500 people said blogging is a trend. You yes. Will, blogging is a trend and true journalism will never die. You know, just the epitome like clinging. What year was this? This is 2008. Um, wait, I have one thing that I'm doing. Hold, please. Okay, so this journalism professor says that journalism is never going to die. Traditional journalism is never going to die. Yep, and he basically says the internet is one big trend and blogging is just here today, gone tomorrow. And you said, I'm leaving. Well, no, the first thing that happened was he made this comment that said, in order to be a credible person, which I, in hindsight, I understand what he was trying to say, but as an 18-year-old, this is what I heard. He said, in order to be taken seriously, you need to have at least 10,000 people reading your blog, quote unquote, every day. And everyone laughed as if 10,000 people reading a blog was like inconceivable and impossible. Mm -hmm. And I raised my hand and I said, I have that. Because at the time, I had one of the first big, like, competitive gaming blogs uh, mm -hmm. on the internet. And obviously, the class gets all quiet, and the teacher basically just says, like, you know, well, that, that doesn't account for anything. Like, you're going to have this today, and it's going to be gone. So I left. And not only did I not show up to that class anymore, but the next year, I just decided to transfer. Mm -hmm. And instead of studying journalism, I studied creative writing. The most useless degree ever, since I have one, too. And journalism? Or no, creative cre writing. Oh, creative writing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're both in question right now. But yeah, creative I mean, writing is like, why do you have a degree? My my degree on paper actually says fiction writing. <laughs> That's like, I mean, my dad was just concerned. Um. Yeah, I think my parents are still concerned about the whole thing. But but so, okay. And so then you got, how, so you had a post on Quora go viral. That Was that before? The this blog? happened like... Well, so skipping ahead. So yeah. three years of studying college, uh, creative writing in college. And basically the last class of my semester, I'm thinking I just spent three years studying how I'm going to become a famous writer working on the craft. And here I think in my last class, someone's going to tell me and here's how you make it happen. And so my teacher sits us down. He was like, he was one of the professors that actually had like the one of the more successful careers. Mm -hmm. He had like a local book pop off in Chicago and he was kind of seen as like the case study. Like you would want to be like this guy. And I looked up to him a lot. And so he he basically said, everyone take out your notepads. I'm going to tell you how to do this. And he says, what you're going to do is you're going to work on your story. You're going to go home. You're going to print a paper copy of it. You're going to put it in a manila envelope. You're going to send it to a publishing house, you're going to print off 10 copies, send out, you know, to 10 publishing houses, and then you're going to wait. And the estimated wait time is about six months. And you have a 90% chance of them coming back and saying, we're not going to take this. And a 10% chance of never hearing from them. Yeah. And and so and, and so basically, I'm, everyone's like jotting down notes, like furiously <laughs> writing. And I'm sitting there, I'm not writing anything. I'm looking at them and I'm like, you're telling me that I have an iPhone in my pocket and the most effective way of me going about this is to print a paper copy, put it in a manila envelope and send it off. I was like furious. Yeah. And so after class, I met with them and I and I kind of pushed them on it. And I was like, what 
how do we use the internet here? Like this can't be the only way. And almost kind of frustratedly, he said, no, this is the only way. There is no other option. And it's almost like he was a little offended that I was like this kid who thought he knew better, right? So I left school and basically accepted my quest as like, if you want to become a writer, no one's going to tell you how to do it. If you want to build a career writing, you have to be the one to figure out how that's going to make money. Yeah. So that's what started the Quora seems interesting. At least I'll start there. But you didn't actually think that was going to lead to you making money. No, I had no idea. Yeah. My, my rationale was um, it was so a fr- actually a, a gamer friend of mine was the one who recommended it. Mm-hmm. And I told him and I said, if gamers have YouTube, because this was 2013. And so a lot of gamers were actually making a lot of money posting their gameplay videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, that's interesting. So that's like a metaphor that I can kind of use. Mm-hmm. I was like, and if Instagram models have Instagram, like fitness and fashion, like where does a writer go? And Twitter wasn't really it. and Facebook wasn't it. And like no platform seemed like it fit. And he said, you should check out the site called Quora. And so for a month, all I did was read it. And mm-hmm. it was just people telling stories and answering these questions in a story format. Those were the ones that got the most attention. Mm-hmm. So I, I paid attention to that and I was like, you know what? I think I can do this. So I challenged myself, same way I've done, you know, I've had all these obsessions, gaming and mm-hmm. bodybuilding and everything. So I challenged myself and said, I'm going to write one answer on Quora every single day for a year. If nothing happens, at least I practice my craft. Right, right. And so that was basically the the challenge that started it. And sure enough, you know, consistency paid off and had my first viral hit in like a After month. After how long? Okay, a month. Yeah, maybe like a month or two. I had a post hit like 100,000 views and I was like, this is something. And then I started getting republished by other publications and then I started to understand syndication. Mm-hmm. And then I had the big one pop off, which was, which went to the front page of Reddit mm-hmm. and did like a million views in two days. What was it about? The question was, is it possible to change yourself so much that you no longer recognize who you are? Something like that. And of course, this is how the story always goes, right? Is that day I didn't want to write. I was like, I'm tired from work. For context, I didn't have internet in my apartment during this time because I so badly wanted to finish my book. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I worked 10 hours a day and I came home, I was going to squander it on the internet. So I deprived myself of internet between 2013 and 2016. How did you write on Quora? Every day at at work, at the end of the work day, Hmm. I'd like put work away. I'd sit down with, you know, on Quora and I would write my answer. And I really didn't want to that day, but I did. Wrote like two paragraphs and put this picture of me, me as like a 16-year-old and then me as like a 23-year-old. 16-year-old me was like concave chest, like less than 100 pounds. I was really sick, very skinny. And then X amount of years later, I was like this shredded bodybuilder. Right. And so I told that story and literally hit post, went on the train. And by the time I got to my apartment, it was front page Reddit. Wow. And just like exploding. Okay. And so then we're, we're in that. So you were writing your book then? Yes. My first memoir. Yeah. And so tell me the decision to write that was, was what exactly? Mm, a lot of different reasons. Um, one, I knew, well, I had the pipe dream. The pipe dream was, I'll write this crazy best-selling memoir. Some publisher is going to pick it up. 
they're going to give me a massive advance. Everyone's going to see my brilliance and I'm going to become an overnight millionaire success, Mm -hmm. right? That was my pipe dream. Mm -hmm. Um, Very quickly, my boss and mentor poked a big hole in that because I talked to him. He was my my boss who I I worked with. What Uh, were you doing? I was a copywriter at an ad agency. Oh, got it. Yeah. And so he became a, a very close mentor to me. And, you know, I kind of, he had done ad campaigns for like huge books. Like he had done ad campaigns for uh, Harry Potter and Captain Underpants and like really prominent works. And so I wanted to get his opinion. So I told him what I was writing about. And he's like, this is a niche memoir about you as a gamer and you have no credibility as a writer. Like he just he just poked every hole in it and basically was like, I'm telling you your dream is flawed so that you can figure out a better way. Right. And, and it was the harsh, you know, it was the tough love that I needed. Um, so at a certain point, I accepted what I was writing was not, I was not swinging for the fences. This was not going to be my like, you know, home run success. Um, I wrote it because that chapter was one that I like had really kept to myself. Mm-hmm. I really didn't share it with a lot of people. Most most people that met me like had no idea that I was really sick growing up. They didn't know I was this crazy hardcore gamer. They didn't know that, you know, I was I was a very different person back yeah. then. I was very depressed as a kid and everything. So I wanted to write about it mostly for myself. And and that I thought there'd be a lot of growth in that. Um, so I started it in college. One mm-hmm. of my one as like a short story. One of my teachers like kind of unearthed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just couldn't really let go of it. I was like, I just have to write this. It took me four years. It took you four years to write that. And book. I worked I worked on it like a lot. Because of all the pages you threw away. Yeah. First draft was like 800 pages, threw the whole thing away. Second draft was like 600 pages, threw the whole thing away. Because every time I wrote it, I realized that um, I was still angry. At your parents? Everybody. I was angry at, you know, my parents for not supporting my desire and dream to be a pro gamer. Because I was that good and it just wasn't taken seriously. I was angry at all of the kids I went to high school with that were like, you don't fit in, you know, we don't accept you. I was angry at, you know, just life. Like why, like, why did, why did I not know that I was allergic to gluten, the most common ingredient in America until I was 18. Right. And I was sick every day for 18 years. So there was just a lot of anger there. And every time I wrote a draft, I was like, this isn't something that someone would enjoy reading. This isn't a story. This is like a teenage kid venting. So I had to keep going and keep refining that. And I like, I did everything. I signed myself up for therapy during that. Like uh, for me, it was, it wasn't just how do I finish the product? It was like, how do I work through this part of me that is still holding me back? Mm-hmm. And and how did you know when you had? Like most things in life, you just, you reach a point where you kind of have this feeling, you know, and that's how it's all like with everything. Same thing with working at that job. Like I thought about quitting as a copywriter 8 million times because I was like, I want to be a writer. But I always had this feeling like I'm not done learning yet mm-hmm. or I'm not, you know, my met this mentor of mine hadn't, passed along everything yet mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden and we're I didn't plan this very weirdly the same day I planned to put my book out ended up being the last day of my working at the job right and I nowhere consciously yeah. did I plan that and, and and then it was like the day came and I was like this is the universe saying it's not just you're put, putting the book out it's like you took the time to work through all of these things 
and now you're ready. And and the moment that happened, my entire life like opened up and changed. It was crazy. How? Well, um, quit my job seriously thinking I would like not be able to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I didn't know. <laughs> I had never worked for myself before, so I didn't know. Um, ended up falling into executive ghostwriting. Mm-hmm. One client turned to two, two turned to four. Thirty days out, I was I had doubled what I was making at this. And job. executive ghostwriting for someone who doesn't know is just writing for a really successful wealthy, successful person. person. Yeah. yeah. How did you how did you launch into that? So this is where all of the it's like this one big chessboard where everything built on itself. Because in order for me to in order for me to launch my book successfully, I thought I need to build myself as a writer online. I mm-hmm. need an audience. But as I built myself online, I ended up welcoming other opportunities that ended up paying me more and were more, uh, I, w- I wouldn't say rewarding, but but they opened more doors than I thought mm-hmm. they would. So how I even ended up getting those early clients was people said, I read your work. Yeah. So they had read my answers on Quora or by that point I had a column with ink. Mm-hmm. Like I read your last post on ink. So I didn't have to sell them. Yeah. They were and they like, came to you and they said, would you write an article? Would you write my column on yep, ink? Yep. Or would you help me write my articles on LinkedIn or whatever? Yeah. So that, you know, first month that happened. Second month it just spiraled. I doubled my income again. How did you know what to charge them? I just, I kept going up. Yeah. I literally kept going up. I started at like $100 an article and ended up getting as high as like $800 an article. Mm-hmm. And I just, three months later, I was a six-figure ghostwriter. And yeah, I eclipsed my book like completely with that work, you know? So, okay. So let's talk about the book though. So you built up this audience online and you decided on a date to launch it. How, how did that all, What were you like, okay, I'm going to do this for six months and then I'm, September 6th, I'm releasing it. Like, how did you decide? Um, I'm really bad at launches because I'm a really impatient person. Yeah. So for me, I was like, the moment that I emotionally felt like I was done with the book, it had been four years. I was like, I'm, I'm done. I just want to put this out and I don't care. So my rationale was, um, I had done all this reading about you know, like launch strategies versus evergreen strategies. And for those that don't know, it's like launches, I put all of this effort in and you have this like open cart, closed cart mentality. Right. You know, it's like you start on Monday and by Sunday the sale's gone and this is your time and that's it. Evergreen is more like I'm trying to build a forest. So I'm not really concerned with Monday to Sunday. I'm just going to build now and over years, over right. a long period of time, I'll reap dividends from that. And that really appealed to my personality because I knew that I wanted to write more books. So truthfully, just writing on Quora and writing online, by that point I had like 100,000 followers and tens of millions of views on my work. And I just figured I'm gonna put this book out there. I'm gonna write articles about it. I'm gonna connect it to previous articles that had to do with similar topics. And then I'm gonna move on to my next one. So, so in terms of a practical, like you went back to old posts that you had done, mm-hmm. you were able on your ink column to sort of talk about it. Ink, not so much. It was honestly, well, most people don't know, but my, any publication, the views that you get on those major pubs are a fraction of what you can get on a social site. Mm-hmm. So even though I was one of Ink's most popular writers, I was probably bringing in 
somewhere between 300,000 and 500,000 views for them every month. Mm -hmm. My Quora answers were averaging like several million a month. So Inc. was more about credibility. Yeah. And Quora was more about really targeted viewership and volume. And could you tell how that affected your sales? Um, in small ways, yeah. Like if I if I connected the book to uh, an answer on Quora that performed really well, I would see a little spike. Mm-hmm. But there were so many things that I just I didn't know. Yeah, I had gotten really good at writing online, and I had not gotten good at understanding books as a product. Mm-hmm. So. Even though, like, I think it's a classic and the story is great and all of that, I, all of the shine that goes on top of it, like, I just didn't know. I didn't know anything about Amazon keywords. I didn't know anything about um, it running ads for books. I had no ad spend. Like, yeah. I had no money when yeah. I launched this book. Yeah. So there was just a lot of things that I would have done differently. The book is so great. As you know, I'm a huge fan of the book. And I forgot you actually read it. Oh, yeah. Oh, right yeah. when I met you. I, I That's so cool. Well, I will say, whenever I have someone on, on the podcast, I do actually read the book, having been on many podcasts and known that the host has not read my book. Yeah. That no matter what they say when they're pretending they read it, you can tell. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I loved it. And... Um, you know, it's like, not to sound like this, I knew you were a, quote, real writer from just talking to you. And so it was, um, you know, I, I meet people who write books. When I don't have to read a book for work, I'm not, not likely to read it. And mm-hmm. I went out of my way to read yeah, it. Yeah, well, it. I appreciate it. Um, and and then, you know, inter- you know, you have a new book, which, again, I feel like was maybe one of those, like, quick launches. Like, I had just totally. seen you and you didn't mention Having a book, and then you're like, "Oh, this is my new project for the new year." Yeah, and I've I'm dropping another one in like two weeks. So tell me about that. It was really interesting. Who was the guy you wrote it with? So, the book's called "Slow Down, Wake Up," and he's one of my best friends. He was my random roommate in college, mm-hmm. and we both showed up to University of Missouri like we don't know anybody here, and we hated each other at first, and then we ended up becoming so close. And basically. What it started off as not like we wanted to write a book. It started off as a way for us to maintain our friendship because mm-hmm. we were both living in Chicago. And about a year after I left my nine to five job, I had essentially decided I'm going to take ghostwriting. I'm going to build a company out of it. Mm-hmm. So I convinced one of my other closest friends to quit his job. And we were like, we're going to build this company. And at that same time, I decided I was going to move to L.A. Mm-hmm. And so he was going to stay in Chicago. I was going to move to L.A. And I was already like working. I mean, I traded my nine to five for 7 a.m. to 11 p.m., you know, right. and then but I, I was enjoying it, but it was a lot. Um, and so my entrepreneurial mindset was just accelerating rapidly. Um, and I was and I was traveling a lot. I was flying to Atlanta to see my other friend, Drew, who became my co-founder. I was flying to Arizona to see my long-distance girlfriend, and I was flying to L.A. because I was working with a company out here, kind of helping them launch and mm-hmm. and doing some consulting with them. And so I was in Chicago like a week a month. Mm-hmm. So already my friend with Matt was, or my relationship with Matt was strained in a mm-hmm. sense. And when I moved, we, you know, he he was the one who said it, but we both felt it. It was like, I hope we stay close. I hope that we maintain this friendship. Mm-hmm. And so what we would do is we we both were kind of just like writing these things because we were both stressed. He was doing his master's and I was 
you know, starting a company. And then when we would talk, like usually on Sundays, we would be like, hey, you know, I wrote these things. Can I share them with you? And he would do the same. And that became our project. And then so and then you just decided to launch it this last month or two months ago. Yeah, like a month ago. And did you? So, OK, so let's talk about these launch strategies. Did you have strategies? For Zero. Either? Zero. No, same thing. I was like, we had been working on this. We started this three years ago, you know, and, yeah. and it was trading poems back and forth. And basically, they're like poems intended to be little meditations. Yeah. And same thing. So for context, I think it's important to understand why my mindset is the way that it is. Yes. So every book that I write has a piece and plays a role in a much larger idea. A much larger idea is that no one has ever written a, a fully cohesive series of their entire life in memoir form in a bunch of different genres where every book fits together. A lot of memoir writers are like, this is one story, this is another story, Maybe they do two or three and they're, they're basically done. They compress like their whole life into this thing. My, my idea, I had this literally more than 10 years ago, was every chapter of my life, because I'm such an intense and passionate person, I go all in. Right. Like when I was a gamer, I was a gamer. I was one of the best in the world. When I was a bodybuilder, I didn't do anything but lift weights and eat chicken and rice and broccoli. Right. And... And same thing when I was studying writing and when I was working in advertising and when I was building this company. Like, So each one of these chapters is so unique. There's there's characters, there's people that come along and mentor you. There's like, it's a world in itself. So my idea was I'm going to turn every one of these chapters in my life into its own memoir. And then within those stories are the other works that I create too. Mm -hmm. So maybe during, you know, book two or book four, there's poetry that I wrote or there's another book that I wrote, or there's a fiction book that I wrote. And what no one has done is ever seen how all of these works can be connected. Mm -hmm. And so for me, not only is it like, oh, this is my first book or my second book, like Slow Down, Wake Up isn't my second book. Slow Down, Wake Up is book like 7.3 because I already have the whole thing mapped out. Okay, because the other ones have not come out. The other ones haven't come out or yet. Or been written. Or even been written. So this is some like Star Wars. So Confessions of a Teenage Gamer was the beginning. It was book one. Yeah. And then I've got like book 1.1 1. 1, and then book 1.2. Okay. And then I've got book two, which is the next chapter. And okay. then book like 2.1. 2. So by the end, my hope is that everything that I write has an intentional and deliberate place on the shelf. And the idea then is by spanning all these different genres, no matter where you enter into the web, you're going to realize that you've walked into a much larger world. Mm-hmm. And so my long-term bet is someone might pick up Slow Down, Wake Up as a meditation book, but they're going to they're they're going to go, I see that this is part of a larger chapter, which is part of a larger act, which is part of a larger epic. Mm-hmm. Let me explore. Let me wander around. Let me see what else is here. Okay, but I guess I don't understand how you can know that other people haven't done that. I mean, I've looked very hard and I don't... Or like how you define fitting together. True. Yeah, true. Like technically you could say 
and anything an author creates in their lifetime is their life's work. Yeah. Right? But the step that I haven't seen anyone take is say, and here's how they're all connected. And so where do you say that? In the final one? Well, we're, that's, you know, we're going to, that's a surprise. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I felt when I got this, this, uh, sound studio that it was, it looked like a time machine. So maybe that's like what we've stepped into. By the way, I have never shared this idea publicly ever. Okay. So this is actually really that. cool. I really appreciate that. Yeah. I, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around it, frankly. Yeah. So bas- basically coming back to your question, that's why for me at a certain, like, I guess I kind of realized that I don't care about the launch strategy. Because there's there's two truths. One is, and this is just my unique path, currently ghostwriting for other people makes me way more money than a book will or would. Absolutely. For right now. Yeah. My hope, and, and I'm sure that there will be a tipping point where that replaces itself. The second is I'm creating all of these works because to me that, that, magnum opus that like epic is a very cool artistic pursuit mm-hmm. i'm doing it for that right. i am not i am not the writer that's like how can i churn out commercial fiction and sell them for 2.99 on amazon so that i can maximize my book sales right it's just not right. who i am right i think that's really smart um yeah i i so but so so literally, what do you do? Do you just text Anna David and go and 16 other people and go, oh, hey, this is my new thing? Yeah. So for one, I'll like, you know, put it on all my social channels and say, here's my next, you know, my, my newest project. Check it out. I will definitely text some friends and say, hey, I share my work with you. So I just want you to know that I did this. This is cool. Um, I'll play. I mean, now that I have the ability to, I'll play with some Facebook ads and be like, hey, if you're interested in meditation, you should check out this meditation book. But for the most part, I put it out there and then I just get started on the next one. Right. You don't even look at what happens. I really don't. Um, and so things like Facebook ads and you don't even know that those were effective. Yeah. It's something that I would like to try and learn more about. But again, it's like if my goal is to create this massive portrait, the, the reality is I'm actually far better off putting more ad spend behind it once more of it is done yes you know like yes. right now no one no it's it's like you're looking at a puzzle and all i've given you is two pieces yeah out of like a hundred yeah so and I, I, we should note you're quite young so there's plenty of time how old are you now yeah it's, i'm about to turn 30 oh wow so i'm oh, getting so clock, yeah is clock is ticking i gotta move i will say by the way there is a previous episode that focuses only on ads um and with nicholas eric who's like the one of the awesome. ad, book ad experts. And you know what he taught me? Huh. Dying to pay someone to handle my ads. I Definitely. do not want to understand that any more than I need to. Yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of know what you don't know and ask for help when you need it. Yeah. Yeah. So your launch strategy, we could say, is to not care about launches. Pretty much, yeah. And and the irony was, you know, when I set out to first write on Quora and do all of that, all of that was with the hope of I build this audience and I and I learn how to get attention and I was working at a marketing agency and all of it was so that I could make my book a bestseller. Right. It wasn't until I actually put the book out that I realized that first of all, well, <laughs> there's a lot of nuances, but basically it was is that 
the way that I had built myself ended up being more valuable than the book itself. Yeah. And that opened up more doors for, I mean, now I get to advise startups on their messaging. Like that, just, it's like almost like being realistic with it. Yeah. Like I love my art and I want to protect my art. So I'm glad that I've learned how to make money off of writing in other ways so that I don't have to sit here and go, how do I make sure that my poetry books earn me six figures? I don't have to care about that, which means that I can focus more on making them what I want them to be. Well, and I actually believe that that philosophy is not like counterintuitive at all. I think that's that's what we tell all of our clients. That's what I tell all of my students. And it's what I do, mm-hmm. which is, you know, I came from the world of traditional publishing where you made so much money. Huh, uh, <laughs> it seemed like it at the time on your advances that 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 was it. And it was we were getting paid to do that. And it was, you know, movie rights and all of those things. And then it's it's changed so much that anybody who's counting on book sales to get them rich is just, you know, they are in the time machine that we are just pretending we are in. Um, and and but there's so much that can happen as a result of being an author. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a New York Times bestseller. If I could underline that more, you know, everybody I talk to, oh, I just want it to be a New York Times bestseller. Well, you don't need it to be. And it happens to point oh 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 one percent of authors. So that that does not seem like a realistic goal. Yeah. For most. So so let that go and let's talk realistic goals. What do you want to have happen as a result of this book? And yeah. Well, and I totally agree with all of that. And I would also add too is like, I still want all of those things. I just think it's smarter to understand which goals you can reach sooner, right. faster, when, you know. Exactly. But but yeah, I mean, you are you are unusual in that case that like, yes, it's all in the future. That's not the case, especially for somebody who wants to do one book. Yeah, true. One book, the idea of one anything to me is gone. Like, I don't believe in one album, one book, one movie, one that life doesn't exist anymore. Because what I tell people is you have to realize you're competing against people like me, where I put something new on the Internet every day. Yeah. So if you think that you're going to be heard with one thing, just realize that your competition is putting out thousands of things. Okay, but I will say that one a person, a, an entrepreneur putting out one book who is trying to establish authority and get media and all whatever it is that they have the ability to put a lot of other stuff behind that one. Yes. Then that's different. Yes. As an artist, please, if you're going to spend, you know, and, and you probably don't recommend spending five years writing a book because. No. Um, I learned that the hard way. Yeah. So, so, and and let's just say that this this big uh, effect you had on my life was we had met I don't know two years ago maybe now, mm-hmm. and um we had coffee and I basically was telling you where my business was and you said to me I you said something like I'm confused you have very successful people coming to you and wanting you to do their books for them and yet you are focused on other people who complain a lot who don't want to pay you a lot of money to teach them. Yep. What are you doing, basically? Yeah. 
and um, and you actually, you know, just sort of casually trotted out some copy off the top of your head, which I ended up using. <laughs> oh, really? That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and it just transformed my business. And I went full force into the publishing company. And I actually now do teach, but just as a side gig. And because it's not where my income comes from. You can treat it differently. I have a totally different attitude. And suddenly they, they aren't complaining people. They're delightful people. Yeah who I'm so happy to help. Yeah, it's it, the big aha for me was, and that was the same, you know, that was how we built our company, Digital Press, was we worked with founders and executives and Olympians and Grammy winners. Like, I basically understood there's a lot of different types of people that want help with their writing. But as my, as my mentor would say, it takes the same amount of effort to make $1,000 as it does $10,000. Or it takes the same amount of effort to work with, you know, someone who doesn't have any money versus someone who does have money. So it's not that my belief is like, don't help people who don't have money. I respond to every email when, you know, some 15 year old kid in another country emails me and is like, I want to become a writer. How do I do this? Like I respond. I just believe like you should understand the pieces on the chessboard so that you're maximizing both. Help other people by putting things out for free and, you know, write articles and give advice and do all of that. But your income and your quality of life should be what you want it to be. So work with the people that respect it and are willing to pay for it. Yeah. And I will say that oftentimes the most successful people that we have as clients are the most grateful because they understand what it takes to build a business. They understand that you're not, you know, you're you. They are one client of several that you are serving and um, they're less demanding and they're too busy to be demanding oftentimes. And, And usually they've you know, they have their own path where they've learned all these same lessons for themselves. Yeah. And they hate when they experience that with someone else. Yeah. You know, like our best clients are bar none our most successful. Yeah. The ones that don't ever miss a call, the ones that trust, the ones that give minimal edits. Yeah. The ones like they're all like CEOs of publicly traded companies or really, really successful founders. But I will tell you what my most difficult clients have taught me is um, given me flashbacks to the way I've been in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, my most difficult clients are um, I- enraged that we're not doing more for them. And mm-hmm. all that does is make us want to do less for them. Yeah. And it reminds me of, you know, my editor at HarperCollins. I'm 99% convinced he never read one of my books. All he ever said was like, these are great. And I thought that was because I was a genius. I didn't <laughs> understand that he was just lazy and he didn't care. He didn't value me. He valued the person they had given a $2 million advance to. And that's yep. where he was putting his time and energy. And um, yeah, and so, you know, I learn more from the challenging clients. Mm -hmm. So, okay, but speaking of clients, so what is going on with your company? What is your next move? Um, So basically, we we built it very quickly. I mean, it it became, you know, multi-million in revenue in like less than two years. Um, And we had, you know, 15, 20 full-time employees and 60, 70 clients. Basically, I got to a point where I realized I'm... Now, now I can't write. I am a full-time, you know, entrepreneur. I am a full-time entrepreneur. And at first that was really exciting. Um, and it definitely allowed me to grow in ways that I probably wouldn't have been able to. I definitely wouldn't have been able to, but I took this, uh, this is like the most just entrepreneur story ever. Uh, I took this trip to Mexico about six months ago uh, with my girlfriend and she had been pushing me to do it. She's like, you need some time. 
So I said, our company is remote. So I just said, I'm going to take my laptop. I'm going to work remotely in Mexico. I'll work during the weeks. And then on the weekends, we'll go and explore and do all this stuff. And about two and a half weeks into the trip, uh, we took a weekend to this lagoon in the middle of the forest. I mean, this was like a three-hour drive. There was nothing around. And we stayed in this little, it was an Airbnb, but it was a, I mean, one step up from a shack, like mm-hmm. on a, on the lagoon. And I'm eating, you know, mangoes with a knife and I'm just like full, like na- I've fully embraced nature. And I'm in this lagoon and I'm laying there. And first of all, my girlfriend's having like, you know, what she thinks are like past life memories. And I'm sitting there tripping, just like we, it was a crazy vibe. And I'm laying in the water, which was white sand, literally the temperature of a bath, fresh water, not salt, in the most naturally beautiful place I'd maybe ever seen. And just for whatever reason, it just hit me and I was like, I'm not happy. I'm not doing what I set out to do. And I remembered being that kid and, uh, you know, graduating from college and saying, I'm going to figure out how to be a successful writer. Mm-hmm. And the business allowed me to grow in certain ways, but it ultimately felt like a distraction. It, it felt like a detour. Mm-hmm. And I came back that next week and talked with my co-founder and we, he had been feeling it too. I mean, we were just burned out. Um, we had been doing it for like two years. And yeah, basically just came to the conclusion, we can't do this anymore. So yeah, we we just started looking at what would be realistic about that and ended up letting like 90% of our clients go and ended up cleaning shop and, you know, tried to help employees find jobs. And Mm -hmm. I mean, we just basically shut the whole thing down Mm -hmm. and kept it alive with our, with basically Drew and I continuing to do the work and uh, like our favorite eight to 10 clients Mm -hmm. as a way of us sustaining income to figure out what we wanted to do next. And yeah, so that happened like six months ago. And so the beginning of this year has been the first time, you know, like I deferred every dollar from that company for two years. So I just poured it all back into growth. Mm -hmm. And I was working 12, 14 hours a day. And I was, you know, I sacrificed every relationship in my life. Like it was, (laughs) entrepreneurship is real. Mm -hmm. And again, same thing. When I get into a chapter, I go all in because I want to experience it. And now the past three months are the first time in three years that I've had mental clarity Mm -hmm. and and asking myself, what do I want to do? And so what I keep coming back to is you need to work on your epic, mm-hmm. you know, your your big master plan and doing that through the lens of building a publishing company. Because what I realize is a lot of people that I work with end up wanting to do books. Yep. And many of them are actually very receptive to the idea of co-authoring it with me because I have an audience. You're and because becoming I have, my competitor is what you're trying to yeah, say. Yeah, but here's the thing. Is, we're also friends, though. So yes. we, can, we can collaborate. Collaborate right? or not competitive. Yeah, see, I don't look at it as competition. No, not at all. And I was actually, when you were talking about um, building, I was thinking about this Dan Sullivan idea, which is the free zone frontier, which is there is there is no competition. It's all collaboration. And when you want to move the needle in your business, you don't say what, you say who. Yeah, you ask other people to, you know, hey, I'll promote you, you promote me. Hey, let's work on this together. Hey, let's do a joint book together. Hey, let, you know. And so, okay, we have to start wrapping up. 
So if you wanted to apply that to book launches or anybody, you know, that there that can also be applied to that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Leverage your relationships. Yeah. Reach out to people, ask them to post post your book on their Instagram stories and find influencers that have that, those same niches. And, you know, like with the gaming book, I ended up reaching out to a bunch of old gamer friends that had YouTube channels, mm-hmm. you know, and I was like, hey, throw throw this in a video or something. And there's there's no shortage of things that you can do. I think just the thing that I keep coming back to is, again, you have to remember who your competition is. And people who really succeed, especially in self-publishing, their volume's out of control. They put out a lot. Yeah. And so if you're wanting to compete in that world, you have to figure out a way where you're not putting out one book every two years or three years or four years. You have to realize that people you're competing with are putting out a Kindle Unlimited book every two months. And they're probably writing like fantasy romance. Yeah, totally. Fantasy romance. It drives me nuts. But but the reason why I study all of that is because I like to be aware of what everyone's doing and then I pick and choose the tools that I want. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Okay, well, this has been amazing. Yeah, this is a time machine. Was that like four minutes? I don't understand. 40 seconds, actually. 40 40 minutes. No way. Yeah. So, okay, if people want to find you, it does not sound like they can hire you to be a ghostwriter. Um, I mean, I've I've got a nice, you know, I've got my nice roster. Yeah. Um, What I'm really interested in now are picking and choosing co-author projects. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on two right now that are very, very exciting. Mm-hmm. But I think over time, I will move more and more into my own books and writing books with other people. Because I, what you get to learn from someone when you sit down and do that is insane. You get paid to learn. Right. I mean, right. I, I got that with articles, but books are like, you get everything that person's ever known ever. Yeah. yeah. So... Those are the projects that I'm really interested in. So if people want to find you, where can they go? NicholasCole.com or I have, you know, all my writings on Medium and Quora and... And you're on Instagram. Do you still post? Yeah. I don't see much of your well, stuff lately. Like every once in a while. Okay. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thanks so much for listening to the show. And now a request from me. If you've ever used any of the tips or techniques you've heard about from the show, please take a few seconds to give the show a rating or review and find out all about how my company, Legacy Launchpad, writes and launches books at www.legacylaunchpadpub.com. See you next week.